Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling in the spirits to gather around us here today that we might do something that could be useful. So I call out to the energy of the ancestors, all those who are good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines, not just those of us speaking on the show here today, but each one of you listening. No matter when it is that you decide to download this podcast and listen to it, it's your ancestors I call in today as well. I call out to those who have gone before us, those who know the old ways and those who are still with us, whispering in our ears, reminding us, if we can only learn to listen, at each turn reminding us how we might go forward in a good way. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today and gather round. Hold us well. Let us do something that will be useful here today. And I call out to the energy of the earth, that most ancient ancestor. I call out to her and I give thanks to this great being for the wonder of her dreaming, who dreamt a dream of life. We give thanks to the earth for dreaming this dream of life that we might be here now sharing it, not only with other humans, but with plants and animals, beautiful land, great oceans, amazing majestic skies, weather, bugs, the whole thing. We give thanks for the wonder of this dreaming and the great beauty of it. And thanks for the miracle of life. We give thanks to the earth for home, a place to plant that life that it might grow and flourish, a place to set down roots, and a place from which to leap into new adventures. We give thanks to the earth for connection and interconnection and for the deep belonging that comes from knowing our place in the great wheel from the ancestors to the living to the descendants and on, around and around. We give thanks for life. We reach up from the earth, from our bellies and our hearts and our minds. We reach up all the way to the highest power of the universe, up into the sky energies. That great true yang energy of generosity and blessing. That energy of protection. And by whatever name you call that name, call it down. We draw down this energy from above to fill our space, to circle around us, and to connect with the energy of the earth. May the energy of the earth and sky come in to connection within each one of us that we might be filled by that big love, that big love that birthed all life as we know it into existence here on the surface of this great planet. So we give thanks to the earth of earth below and the sky above and let these energies fill us and infuse us with energy so that we might call out to the power of our own hearts. We call out to the heart to be with us here today that we might learn how to merge the passions of our bellies with the clarity and inspiration of our minds and that these energies might commingle in the heart so that we might come to understand why we are here, what is our soul's purpose, what have we come into this life to do and do it today. So we give thanks to these energies for gathering round and holding us. May we hear what needs to be heard here today and speak what needs to be spoken. And I give thanks in ordinary reality for those listeners who make the show possible that anyone who has connection to a computer can hear these shows for free anywhere in the world. So we give thanks to Sun and to Mark. We give thanks to Susan and to Gordon and all the other listeners who have donated to the show in recent time. If this show has been meaningful to you in any way, I ask you to allow your heart to be moved into action. 
Because this ability to let what has meaning in our heart move us into action is at the core of a shamanic way of living. And so I ask you, if the shows are meaningful to you, to move into an action, go to the whyshamanismnow.com site and click the support button and to give some support to the show that it may stay available to others. Or just do something loving. Do something of essence. Do something of power in the world to extend the energy of this show through you into your life and out to touch others. So without further ado... I now would like to give thanks to our guest here today, Leo Rutherford. Leo, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Good to be with you. Yeah, Leo is with us all the way from merry old England. Um, And Leo is one of the elders in England's uh, resurgence or reemergence or whatever we want to call this thing that's happening right now with shamanism. Um, I want to acknowledge the Society of Shamanic Practitioners and give gratitude. It is through their donations that we have this show today. It is part of the Shamanic, uh, Society of Shamanic Practitioners interview series. And in this series, oh, so that means the show is live. You are welcome to call in 512-772-1938. Or if you're listening through the co-creator, co-creatornetwork.com site. You can push the Skype button and Skype in, or you're welcome to email me a question at christina at lastmasscenter.org. So those are the ways you can get on the show today, which is live, and ask Leo questions. Um, These shows are a way that we explore how contemporary shamans are meeting the challenge of their world, where the relation of things, the living, the dead, the humans and nature, the Western way and the spirit world are profoundly out of balance. And it is the ancient role of the shaman in all cultures to tend the balance of things. And so in these shows, we explore how shamans today are meeting this extraordinary need. So you can find the Society of Shamanic Practitioners at shamansociety.org. Two words, shamansociety.org. And you can find Leo and Leo's work at Eagles Wing College of Shamanic Medicine in England. Uh, you can find Leo's work at that website, which is shamanism.co.uk. Shamanism.co.uk. Or you can just Google Leo Rutherford and you'll find it. Um, so the work of Eagle's Wing is to help people connect to their inner and outer worlds, to heal old wounds within, and to bring the dreams from the world of spirit into manifestation and thus enjoy and create a fruitful life. So, Leo, again, thank you for being with us here today. Now, looking back on your life, whatever conspired in your life to send you a fine, upstanding, young British man off to San Francisco in 1980? Well, uh, one incident is is key, which is... uh, at the time, I, w- I was uh, manager or managing director, to be precise, of, of a manufacturing company making metal containers. And on a Saturday morning, while um, <clears throat> organizing it, make sure all next year's, next week's work would be in order, etc., uh, and so on and so forth, catching up, few people in the factory catching up with some overtime uh, necessary to balance things out, there was a crash. And right in front of my eyes, a large chunk of the roof uh, progressively fell in. And it was like watching the roof falling in on my life. Uh, at that time, I'd done 10 years of very hard work to build up a business from 
what was a shambles going, about to go bankrupt into something something mo- modestly reasonable. It employed 200 people, so um, there was, it was quite substantial in a way. Um, <clears throat> and suddenly this happened, and um, it, it was quite astonishing and, and very frightening. In fact, uh, it, it worked out, it, in practice it worked out okay, because um, the roof, roof came in one, one bay after another. Um, people were working there. Nobody was hurt, never mind killed. Um, people came into the factory over the weekend and so on and so forth and helped sort the mess out. And by midday Monday, this being a Saturday morning, by midday Monday, uh, the place was, was, was going and functional with the department uh, having, under, under the wreckage having been moved to another part of the factory. Uh, <clears throat> however, uh, for myself, it was a decision that I'd been avoiding and avoiding and avoiding. My life had to change. So it was an absolute key moment. So, so then your I think life that's did rather change. rambling answer, but that's it. So then your life did change, and you ended up in San Francisco. Yes, I ha- I started out doing uh, all sorts of therapy for myself in England, uh, and uh, getting involved in alternative ideas and ways, and <clears throat> seeing also just how emotionally I was completely uh, 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 I was a miles from my own emotional body. I lived in my head, and um, uh, one of the things I did was I, I spent a few weeks at Tintorn in Scotland, and I met a very nice woman from San Francisco there who said, "Come and stay." Well, that I couldn't refuse that invitation. Uh, little did I know it would lead to five years, but that's what happened. It led to five years over there. Now you were studying, is that right? I was studying. <clears throat> Initially, I was doing all sorts of therapy, including what was then called the Fisher-Hoffman process. It's now Hoffman process, um, which, which is deep-level uh, therapeutic work on one's life up to the age of about 12. Uh, and then I got involved in, in dance, movement, mime, all sorts of creative things in San Francisco. Um, and... Uh, Oh, and the Esalen Institute, I danced with Gabrielle Roth many, many times, and she was a great uh, teacher. And um, then the next year, I got into a an MA program at Antioch University, uh, holistic psychology. And one of the courses was Joan Halifax on shamanism. And for me, that was as if my window on the world was the curtains were pulled aside. And I realized the ancients, the wisdom of the ancients was um, was something to be learnt, looked into, understood, worked with, etc. And so Joan and that, that meeting was the, the opening of this really into your life. And now since then just kind of hitting the high marks, you have also worked with other, bless you, you've also worked with other teachers along the way? I certainly have. I uh, got involved with people in Northern California 
while I was still there till my degree finished and I came back to England. And then um, over here, uh, from here, I went to Peru with Alberto Vialdo uh, and the shaman he was apprenticed with at that time, Eduardo Calderon. Uh, and that was a very meaningful trip indeed. Um, at the same time, Harley Swiftier, who I'd done a little bit with over in the States, uh, came to England. And uh, so I, I spent about three weeks with him. And um, and different teachers came and, and, and I, I studied with everybody I could, really. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. And well, along the way of studying, you also began writing. Yes. Uh, so, that was about 10 years later. About okay. 10 years later, I started writing. <laughs> um, certainly not at the beginning. Uh, I got an invitation from Collins to write uh, an introductory book on shamanism in, in the and mid-90s. It, is that the principles of shamanism? <clears throat> principles of shamanism. Yep. And just and for people who are uh, looking around now on Amazon to find Leo's books... The Principles of Shamanism is the current title for an earlier version that was called The Way of Shamanism, which is confusing. Uh, actually, because... that, that's the other way around. It was Principles oh. first, and then they republished it as, as Way of Shamanism. Oh, okay. Well, I still have it confused. Okay. It, it, so anyway, same. just for it's those funny. of you that are looking at all of his books right now on Amazon.com and seeing both of those books, they're the same. So don't buy both yep. of them. Buy one of them or buy one and give that's the other one right. to or something. <laughs> Um, okay, so then you also have um, a very interesting book, the Shamanic Path Workbook, um, Ancient Wisdom yes. for the Modern World. So that's a, that's an interesting piece we might want to talk about. Also, though, yes. there is the view through the medicine wheel, shamanic maps of how the universe works. And so I'm particularly yes. keen on asking, what inspired you to write this book? Well, the medicine wheel... Uh, has meant so much to me because I grew up and all my early life, I had no maps of how anything works. I was taught Christianity, which made no sense. Uh, And in the the culture as a whole, um, I I floundered my way through. When I came across the medicine wheel maps, it started to put uh, the stuff of life in, in, into into the form of a map, into order. And I try to understand how and why it all works. And things that had been mysteries for me cleared up. And I find it the most absolutely stunning, marvelous set of, of multi-leveled maps of how, how the universe hangs together. And it fits with the, the teachings of physics, quantum physics. It... it, it, it yeah, it fit, it just fits with everything, uh, and and it also helped me to ditch religious uh, uh, re- religious belief systems uh, 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 and guilt and all that stuff in in the dustbin where that firmly belongs. Well, I one of the principles that I teach people is if it's not working for you, stop carrying it around. <laughs> and, <laughs> Excellent. And, um, and so I think that you you bringing up a very important point though, because for most people, the only, you know, sketch they have about how things work 
at that deeper energetic and spirit level is however they internalized whatever their religion was or lack of religion from their childhood. So people are confused. And yes. the challenge is, I think, when you find a system that does work for you, and, and for me it, it has, has also been a medicine wheel system, a four-element system. Um, mm. What I find with people, though, is that you have to ditch the old one. You have to stop yeah. carrying around the old one because they don't um, – it's like running new, really great new software with a really bad old operating system. You know, and they just, they just keep glitching. And yes. so yes. I think that it's important – it's also very hard for us to let go of a system no matter how bad it is or how not helpful it is, I guess I should say, without something to put in its place. And the medicine wheel is um, – it's a beautiful way to start. Um, in your book, is it um, kind of cross-cultural or is it what you f- – how, 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 how are you presenting the medicine wheel in your book? Well, it's – the medicine wheel I work with is, is as far as I know, probably originates in Central America. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it's my take on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a book of, of theories about – it's my experience and my take on uh, 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 and if, um, well, in one or two cases, some of the emphasis has changed for me, so I write what, how it is for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, I've got no concern whatsoever about it being authentic. And there's so many muddles about where where it came from and so on. Uh, and, you know, with most things that go back, they've been changed, they've been uh, uh Adapt, adapted and changed and so on. Uh, just as the Bible, um, you, you know, is is a kind of fictional work with loads of people's different ideas in it. So, and takes on, on what was real. Uh, so for me, I, I write the medicine as I find it. Well, and I, I, I agree. I think that people get um, um, caught up in... Well, they partly, partly they get caught up. There's two reasons I think people get caught up in issues of authenticity. There is a group of people that feel their authenticity has been stolen from them, and they're feeling cranky about that for obvious reasons, which are valid if you ask me. But then there's also people like me who are challenged. I mean, I'm just a little white girl from Oregon. What the hell am I doing, you know, presenting shamanism? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, we have to find a way to validate our work. My personal yes. belief, what the, what the Spirit said to me is your work should validate your work. In other words, you'll either be yes. helpful to people and the word will get around or it won't. And you have to have the patience to let your work validate itself. And that's not the easiest road to go on. It's much easier to say, you know, I'm an apprentice of whomever and get some, some pseudo-indigenous, you know, credentials mm. or something. So, but But back to the medicine wheel, which I think is – an important issue here, uh, which one of the things about it is I, I think that people forget that there was a first shaman in every line. There was some person who stood there looking at their people going, man, we are a mess. We need a map for how all this works. Where do I begin? Yeah. And, and yeah. the truth is nobody owns the north. Nobody owns the South, yes. nobody owns the East. Nobody. We all, as humans on a planet that creates this experience for us of a three-dimensional universe and then this fourth or however many dimensions we connect to through shamanism, mm. we all have a North, we all have a South, we all have an East, we all have a West. 
that, that, that that's humanity's gift, you know, that to us to begin to locate ourselves in space and time. And now how we dress that wheel up can either be traditional, if bless your heart, you got raised in a tradition, or it can be like what you're doing, which is learning the wisdom of the ancients, applying it in your life, and then saying, well, you know, how does this work for me and the kinds of people that are working with me? And, you know, as long That's as you're right. doing what you're doing, which is being forward about saying, this, this is what I have done with the teachings I have received, then, you know, where's the problem? Especially yes. if it's helping people, for goodness sakes. Absolutely. I'm completely with you on what you said earlier. Uh, I, 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 and you are from Oregon. I'm from Liverpool, uh, not even in the same country. But the teachings work here exactly as fine as they do anywhere else. And, and yeah. the point is exactly that. Uh, we, are not, we are not here to serve the teachings. The teachings are here to serve us. Uh, and as a practitioner, uh, I'm here to serve clients. I'm here to serve the people. And if it helps the people, then that's fine. And if it doesn't, then it isn't. And it needs to be changed. So this probably then leads to what, why you would be inspired to co-found or to found the Eagles Wing College is because you're starting to find, hmm, this stuff is really useful for me. Maybe it would be useful for others. Maybe I'll create a college here so I can teach people. <laughs> is that kind of how it exactly. went? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. When I came back from, from, from over there, um, I started something I called Play World, which was a combination of daft, playful games to liberate the magical child, uh, dance, improv, theater improv, uh, uh, and some voice stuff. Uh, kind of fun and games as a therapeutic way in, rather than the, the therapy circle, what, uh, we get together and go around the circle, what's wrong with everybody? So th this was play instead. And, and, and it led to... Uh, um, it was an opening on, for example, doing a five-day residential work. It, it was a great opening and closing to deep, deep uh, psychotherapeutic work. And uh, I started that in '83, and it, it functioned fine. And I put bits and little bits of shamanistic stuff in. And I, as I got to know more and so on and so forth, um, I, 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 I taught what I felt I knew, and I found out by teaching whether I knew it or not. <laughs> uh, and then uh, around about 87, things started just changing as well in the court, and I got asked more and more for shamanistic stuff, and less and less for play stuff. And of course, I started to realize I could do, uh, under the banner of shamanism, things that went far further than, uh, than under the banner of play. And uh, by uh, the autumn of 87, I was fully, fully self-employed doing, doing shamanistic stuff. To my utter surprise, I, 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 offered, um, I offered a year course, uh, which I had a map from, from Peru, from my journey with, with Eduardo Calderon and Alberto Vialdo, a sort of skeleton map. And uh, I couldn't do the same things, of course, but I had other uh, uh, tools and so on to put in, in the place of the four directions. Um, which fitted perfectly. 
And I thought I might get eight or ten people together, and uh, I put a little notice out, and in two months I had a list of over 60. To my utter surprise, I started October 87 with three groups. So, in, in a humorous way, it was it felt like three opportunities to get it right. <laughs> well, there you go. So, so that, uh, that was how I got started. Yeah, and you're, and you're going strong today. And, and going strong for 23 years. Well, and one of the things I just wanted to throw in here, because um, I've experienced Society of Shamanic Practitioner conferences in the U.S. and now in the U.K., and mm. there is an aspect of, um, of the gathering that is richer in a sense, more fully realized, I think, in the U.K. conferences than in the U.S., and part of my working hypothesis for why that might be and part of what's behind the questions that I'm asking Spirit to try to understand that is that you and Annie and Jonathan, all of these people who have been re- part of this resurgence of shamanism in England and Europe and you know Scandinavia and in, kind of over there on that mm. side of the pond were present as participants, like everybody else, sitting down on the floor, throwing yourself down, journeying, sharing your answers, participating. Now, granted, we had to take our naps and we had to take our naps. But the point is the elders were there participating with everybody else, as were new people. I don't know if you know this. Yes. There were 29 new people to shamanism that began their introduction into shamanism at the conference. So we um, have elders. We yeah. have new ones. We have people everywhere in between. And my current working hypothesis is that is part of the reason that group of people kind of snaps together in in a kind of community energy in a way I have yet to experience in the conferences in the U.S. because our elders aren't here in the U.S. Uh-huh. and and new new people aren't. I mean, it's much more of a focus on the, on practitioners, and yet no matter what, no matter where the conference is. What everybody is saying is the thing that I love about this is I get to be with my people. You know, it mm, is always the definitely. community piece. So I don't know. I mean, you've been at all the UK conferences, haven't you? I have indeed. I find it wonderful and enjoy it thoroughly. And, and, and every year I attend as many workshops as I can and, and, and learn more. Mm-hmm. Precisely. And it's good. I, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, and it's it's just beautiful modeling i think for the elders to show up and be willing to still be in a place of learning more it's um it's lovely i i enjoyed mm. it thoroughly <laughs> Good. Um, so leo back to you one of the things um as i was reading some of the things that you've written is one of the things you said is that for you shamanism is a path of the heart and yeah. that your your sense is that you take great joy in passing on to others some of the experiences and knowledge that have helped you to transform your life so, I mean, we've been talking about the medicine wheel, but is that one of the things that you feel is most important from your own experience that you're passing on? And are there other things? Uh, answer yes to all that. Yes. Um, I, I, I have got such clarity uh, and joy from the medicine wheel. It's a, it, for me, it's a joy to pass it on and to find new ways of, uh, of getting people to feel their way in it because to me it works once it's gone past the head and it's into you. So 
you you sit in a direction, uh, or you, by you intend to sit in a direction, uh, and so on, and place yourself there, and the feelings of it come through. So it, it it's it's way past a head exercise, um, and, and once somebody's got past that, it lives. The metzmer lives within you, and um, you know life issues. Then you, you can play with them on the meds wheel and start to get clarity of what the the energies are around uh, and how they're reacting and how they're acting on you and so on. I, I hope that's reasonably clear. Well, well, let me jump in because I think that's a really important point because for people that just know how to journey and maybe even just know how to do shamanic healing forms but have no map, have no cosmology, mm. have no medicine wheel – what I, what I see is they lack exactly what you just said. When life goes sideways and I feel the mm-hmm. energy is, you know, wackiness in the east, I have a map here to start to look around to see what is this in relationship to? What questions do I need to be asking? You know, how am I out of balance? Yeah. What resources do I have that I'm not using? I mean, it is a way to craft questions that is not based on the personality of your human drama. But, right. And I find that the questions that are coming out of a deeper sense of reaching into the energies that are behind everything gets, mm. gets us richer answers through shamanism as well. So I think that having this map, even, even as you said, even if you're not getting all caught up in having this grand traditional cosmology, but just beginning to create a functional cosmology of your own for your shamanism is really important because, you know, life goes sideways sometimes. <laughs> it certainly does. No matter how much work you've done, life goes sideways sometimes. And, and absolutely, I think you put that, that beautifully. Uh, it, it's just one of these things that the, 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 uh, um, the idea that, that, journeying is core shamanism it, it, it's a nice title but the trouble is it's got uh misinterpreted as the only core of shamanism and of course it isn't it's one of the cores one of the the one of the great tools but there are many great tools uh, and, and we need tools for all directions and the medicine well, is a tool in a way it's a tool for the north for the understanding for the intellect uh, to understand how things are, and then you can place yourself in the other directions and experience it, for example, from the emotional point of view in the South. Exactly. And, and so speaking on. of great tools, <laughs> let's talk mm. a little bit about um, movement and dance and how oh, yes. this, this uh, set of shamanic tools serves you in your practice and in your teaching. Certainly, um, for me, uh, as a uh, a stiff middle class, middle of the middle class Brit, uh, who could in 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 you know in life very far gone by manage a waltz and a quick step, um, real dancing, uh, which of course I started with Gabrielle back in, in '78 at Esselen, um, has been such a liberation to get out of my head and into my body and get moving. And, um, and it's been part of my life ever since. And I, I, I've worked with five rhythms and also with a form of trance dance that comes from the uh, Candomblé Umbanda of uh, Brazil, 
and really it, it developed some West African shamanism. And it, it's plowing the same stuff, but slightly different tools. And uh, it, it's a wonderful way of getting past the mind, past the, 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 the structures, getting the body to dance you rather than you dance the body. It puts the body first. Uh, and when, when emotions are screwed and, uh, and the mind is screwed up and puzzled and so on, there's nothing like working the body. A damn good dance uh, and, and um, so on can take you to places that you hadn't thought of and heal the stuff, that, that, that heal the confusion that may have been going on. Well, and one of the things I do in, in my workshops is we, we, we do really, really deep transformational work and people just get, you know, they, you just get tied up in knots doing that. Your mind, yeah. your emotions and this and that and the stories and, uh, and people, <laughs> you know, people like, ah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I say, okay, and now I'm with, we're I'm with you. You know, now we're going to dance and people go, oh, thank goodness. You know, and we get up mm. and we do these dances. Sometimes they're really long. And yeah. inevitably, every, you know, they had all the pieces, but it's like somehow in the dance without thinking about it anymore and just being in the dance where the energies you can let go of get let go of through your sweat and breath and movement and the energies that are trying to get in can make their way in and everything moves around and shifts around. And, you know, when the dance is over, the puzzle's complete, yeah. you know, and you have a new lovely new way and it's it's just priceless dance i just priceless yeah yeah absolutely uh, and you're you're uh, my absolutely. new poster child for dance by the way ah. because like you said you're this middle class brit and you know you're not 22 anymore and you're still dancing so there oh yeah no, i know i i was 75 the other day uh, oh, well, I I, i'm sure i'm i'm sure dyslexic is right you know and i'm really 57 <laughs> <laughs> But but te- technically, I'm 75. But but I I I I run my dance workshops same as I have for well for years for tw- 27 years in total. Um, and with li- as far as possible, mainly with live drums. I I have some very wonderful djembe drummer friends. Oh, that's excellent! Uh, uh, excellent. Yeah, it's, yeah. So we try to keep everything live, which is great. Oh, that's wonderful. And um, yeah, the, the interface of chaos and order, the making of a safe space within which chaos can really happen, unknowing. Through the unknowing, we come to the knowing. Well, I think without planning to, you just defined a good shamanic ritual. Uh-huh. <laughs> Aren't you <laughs> So, Leo, um, at the conference in the UK... Um, you were doing a really interesting presentation, and part of that presentation was that you led a spirit boat journey uh, into, the, into the future for people to bring into information back about the future. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Now, That's before right. we launch into this, though, could you explain to our listeners what a spirit boat journey is in a simple sense? Okay. In essence, a spirit boat journey, it's the idea that we get on a boat, an imaginary, well, let let me just define imaginary. Imaginary, (laughs) I the magician. Uh, Imagination comes before reality. Reality is the last thing that happens. 
uh, a house is an idea, a dream, an imagination. Anything is first. Uh, the last thing that comes in for a house is the builders uh, and the finishes and so on and so forth. And then you have, quote, unquote, a real house. But long before it was a house, it was it was imagination. It was an idea. So that's just to say imagination is the real world. Uh, what we call the real world is the reflection. Now, uh, we get together, we we create the idea of a spirit boat journey. We sit or lie down facing the same way. Uh, we have one single, in, or, or rather, not one single, but a combined intention. We are all journeying for the same uh, purpose, the same uh, intention. Now, um, we then set off. Uh, the drivers of the boat is the drum or drums, and the boat sails uh, down into the um, into the future or into wherever it is that, that we're going we're intending to sail to and uh, oh that that's that's really the essence of it and yeah, finally, that is the essence the of boat, it. and for for people that don't know around. oh go ahead sorry i was just uh, going to say for people around, that don't we turn about around and and we come back just as on a journey rather quickly and um, then we see what we've got. We share so, amongst amongst us uh, what we saw, felt, uh, intuited, etc., etc. And out of all the people present, we start to get a picture so, of um, what we what we've been what we've intended to look at. Okay, so so this particular uh, spirit boat journey was to go into the future. Right, yes. and bring information back. Now, I understand back. that you've been doing this, uh, this particular journey with different groups of people for, like, a couple years now? I mean... I have indeed. You, I have indeed. Uh, so, with some is there a results. message, a thread of a message that is coming out if you look at all of these journeys together? That's right. They're basically about 2012, and what that means for us, and what changes are going to be are going to come our, our way in the collective. Um, we all know things individually, but this, the spirit boat being a collective journey—that's the thing we can do. We can look at the collective. What is the collective uh, going to be throwing at us that we're going to need to deal with? And in each journey, what's come out is that 2011, next year, uh, is a year of very big challenge, uh, economically, um, weather-wise, in just about every way you can think of. It's a year of challenge and breakdown of old systems that we all know don't work. It's like the breakdown of, the, uh, of that which doesn't work. 2012-13 is... Again, again, in all the journeys, it, it's astonishing. Uh, around 2012-13, slightly different timing um, uh, offered by different people, is the coming together much more locally in, in local groups, the localizing, rather than globalization, which collapses, it seems, is likely to collapse. It's the coming together in small groups to, uh, 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 to restructure life, so that, uh, and for survival, of course, for healthy survival, 
um, local cooperative groups uh, because the big systems are not in operation anymore. And um, a big spiritual uh, awakening through the fact that, that the illusions and the lies are shown for what they are. And so um, the old is swept away and the new can start to uh, to be lived. Now, um, in the, at the conference, you had a spirit boat filled with um, some pretty significant practitioners. Was there anything unique in the message that emerged, or was it really just more, more of reinforcing this similar theme? It, 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 the clarity was what was, what was so uh, excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it wasn't different, but it was so clear compared to other groups. As you say, there was a lot of people who, um, yeah, who, who really know what they're doing, which was mm-hmm. wonderful to work with. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, I was very stunned by, 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 as people shared the results, I was, you know, I was very gratified by what came out and how clear it all was. But what's so remarkable is, is that, that it's the level of agreement that comes in group to group to group to group you mean well yes but but within the shamanic practitioner group oh, the level of agreement uh-huh. was was the level of seeing the same thing mm-hmm. that was really great so how would you hope that people like the people listening to the show today how would you hope they might use that information i, I it, to be forewarned and forearmed that the systems that, that we tend to take for granted uh, may well start to wobble under our feet and to be prepared. Uh, the message, ha- ha- grow your own, some of your own food or have access to land uh, and friends, build up friends <laughs> locally uh, and so on and so forth. Know, know your farmers, local farmers if you can, or a farmer. Um, know what to do if electricity fails for a bit or if uh, communications come down, satellites come down, anything like that. Be, uh, uh, and if there's a shortage of fuel, for example, be ready for things like that. It doesn't mean um, uh, it doesn't mean it means the opposite of wish for them. It's simply being clued in that things may not just work the way they have. Well, and it might so be you're, time you're to make ready. sure you're your forewarned and ready. Yeah, it might be time to make sure your bicycle works and you've oiled the That's chain the and it isn't falling apart. And um, it's reminding me, I don't know if you're um, familiar with Hank Wesselman. Um, yes, I am. But there's a, a subtle mm. piece in, I can't remember which of his books, but there's... Um, there's a shaman who's actually uh, an Inuit shaman who's moved down into warmer terrain because why not? There's nobody there anymore. And um, he's teaching the character in the book and he's talking about how um, there, there was a res- you know, there, there were more people that survived these changes. Um, but then, uh, but then there was another die off. And the main reason was because, you know, People didn't know how to grow their own food. I mean, it was really yeah. basic. It was really, it wasn't like wars or disaster or, you know, 
in Oregon, we worry about the people living in the woods in the bunkers with the guns coming out and taking out the rest of us. You know, it wasn't that. It was just simply people didn't know how to take care of themselves. And these indigenous yes. people that did know how to live off the land and know how to ask spirit how to adapt if they needed to adapt, if things were changing, which, of course, there mm. will be big changes, um, you know, that, that it was really simple. It was really simple and basic. And so what I love about your message is, you know, you're just saying to people, so go read a book, you know, mm. buy a book about how to feed yourself and just have it. Maybe you'll need it, you know, buy some seeds. I mean, it's great that we have, you know, that seed storage thing up in, on Svalbard, but oh, yeah. Yeah. that's not going to help me here. <laughs> You know, so have some seeds handy, you know, plant a garden. Practice. No, but at least at least they're being saved. Exactly. Which is it's really pretty cool. Um so this seems to me to be a, a current expression of one of the things that I see as a theme when I look at your work, um, which is the importance of stalking the outer world as well as the inner world. Um Absolutely. We, uh, the inner world is the real world because that's where we experience everything. But the outer world is the one our body lives in <laughs> uh, and we live in, 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 in while we're in a human body. Uh, we need to know what's going on there. Just as important. I mean, it's both equal, equally important to me. And so... Um... What is it that you feel then about the work that you're doing in the world, which, you know, it seems to me that everything you're teaching is an extension of what you've learned yourself and that you're, you're really saying, huh, this worked pretty good for me. I wonder if it works for anybody else. And then it does. And so then you keep building on that, which you know, seems right. to me to be the way traditions grow um, very organically. But what would you say then of, you know, in the uniqueness of what you teach that, would be really helpful for people right now facing these kinds of changes in the very near future? Well, uh, to start with the basis, um, in uh, Castaneda's work, the first step uh, in the Toltec way uh, uh, that's in his books, erasing personal history. Now that means healing your wounded child. And uh, that is so important. Otherwise, we take it down the wheel with us. Doing the necessary emotional healing. No more or no less than is necessary. The second, uh, facing death, making death an, an ally, not an enemy, which to me means remembering deeply that existence is eternal. We are existence, consciousness. Uh, existence existed before we were born, therefore we did. Existence exists after we die, therefore we exist. Uh, this is just a part of a long journey in uh, one lifetime. Um, so why fear death? Uh, and that is very essential to combat the ridiculous uh, Christian idea that there's one life uh, <laughs> and one chance to sit on the right hand of their version of the male Dominating God. Um, so we, it's really important to remember we're, we're part of, of eternity. The third step, stopping the world uh, as we know it to awaken to the world as it is energy, energy phenomenon. 
and uh, the subtleties of that. And and then the fourth step, mastering, uh, putting together the mastery of yourself so that you live in both worlds at the same time. Okay, that, that's one aspect of it. The other is the practical of being alert and awake to what's happening in the outer world. And so putting in food stores if you need to, uh, growing your own food, uh, 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 some of it, and so on and so forth, having local connections, um, and just being really waking up to how dependent we have become on uh, um, systems. I mean, just electricity as a small thing. Uh, most phones nowadays don't work unless the electricity's on. I've managed to hang on to one that that um, doesn't need an electric supply. Uh, but we're so so dependent on so many systems, and so if anything goes um, planet wide in the planet's uh, orbit around the sun, and so on and so forth, in the, in the, in the greater world out there. Uh, that starts to interfere with our systems. Uh, we need to have have be able to cope without them. So it's awareness of the outer world and the changes uh, that are happening. Alertness to life. Well, I'm That's I'm listening to you, and I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking about these. There are people that come to me often as clients because I talk a lot about shamanism as a way to become clear about what your unique purpose is in life. And they're always so disappointed when I say to them, you need to get a job. (laughs) 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 But, but that's just what they need. Well, exactly. Because for some people, they're, they're so caught up in visionary energy anyway. And then shamanism mm-hmm. with all the journeying, it just keeps them out there in the world, like you said, in that dream world where the, imagine, where the imaginary energies are shaping and crafting what will become manifest. But they just stay there in that soup, you know, and that willingness to put their feet on the ground. And go manifest something is absolutely is so they're, they're doing half of it and forgetting the other half. It's yeah. no good. Both both halves are equally important. Yeah, I keep telling them, you know, if you were meant to just be here and float around on all the beautiful breezes of energy, you would have come a butterfly. You're a human. Get to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they good really for hate you. Them. That's that's great. Uh, I mean, it's no good dreaming about a meal. You want some food in front of you. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> absolutely. So, um, I was I was hoping here to kind of I don't want to put you on the spot, but I did find along this idea of you know do your shamanic work, become clear within yourself, develop the mastery, and be practical, and you know and be alert and aware in this world. I mean, we did choose to be here now, so let's do it. Absolutely. Uh, and I was reading an article. I think it. Uh, so I think it's a couple years back now that you wrote, um, and you were talking about. What most people are experiencing as you know disaster right now, as it as the wonderful side um, of this situation, is that an era of delusion is ending and it is pushing us towards a great awakening, which is really what your spirit boat journeys have been saying as well. That's right. Um, and in this article, though, you listed five things. Um, for people to do, which I thought was great, and we're sort of starting to do that anyway. So I thought we'd um, 
come back around here as a way to give the listener something to take, you know, directly into mm. their life here. Um, and I'll cue you and I'll let you, you know, wax eloquently about, uh, about them as we go down the list, just so you don't have to try to remember all five of them. But the first was uh, keep your feet on the ground of balance and harmony and keep your sense of humor yeah. intact. Definitely keep your sense of humor intact. Most essential. I mean, I mean, <laughs> if life isn't funny, uh, uh, I don't know what is. I mean, it, it, you know, the absurdities of life. There's so many to keep us uh, entertained. <laughs> well, I'm not sure Bugs Bunny said this. You got? I don't think you have Bugs Bunny over there, but Bugs Bunny is a cartoon. Yeah, character. I've seen Bugs yeah. Bunny in years gone by. Yeah, and and I don't think he actually originated this quote. I'm sure somebody else said it, but I that that in the old days, those Bugs Bunny cartoons used to end as the. As the scene was going out, Bugs would poke his head around and he'd go, hey, don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out of it alive. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> okay. So number Lovely. two. Mm. Number two, you said that our food comes from the earth, not from the supermarket. Um, grow yes. your own. <laughs> uh, and you've, you've well, just been talking some. about but part of it is that you're encouraging people, it seems, to also look communally, not just everybody – grow your own little victory garden and guard it with a gun, but look locally. seems to me that yes. that's part of your message. Yes. Uh, when you consider that, that these days food is shipped half the world, we, we ship food, well, from England to New Zealand, for example, and then we, 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 food is shipped from New Zealand to here. Uh, I, I keep wondering if they get English apples over there and we get New Zealand apples over here. Which it's is, kind of is, funny, is huh? Fabulously ridiculous. You know, for a 12,000 mile air flight, <laughs> just, just to get different apples in different places. It's absurd. So, yes, uh, long, you know, it's not all that long ago since there weren't cars, there was horses. Uh, and so... Um, travel and, 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 and so on was a whole different ball game. And in those days, we used to eat locally. Uh, I mean, that's going back not much dif- different to a hundred years, or even actually even less. We used to eat locally. Well, think of the amount of, of, of transport that's going to be saved if we start to eat locally, and, mm-hmm. and then we're also protected if, if systems start to go belly up. Um, we've got local connections. Now, number three was nature cycles will happen one way or another. So be tuned into them and listen to nature herself. Yes. Yes. We're part of nature. Uh, We don't govern nature. Um, We can upset nature and we can work with nature. But nature cycles are bigger than we are. The sun is a much bigger entity than we are. The planet is a much bigger entity than we are. The cosmos is a much bigger entity than any of them, <laughs> anything. And I think so, this message of working with nature comes up again and again as I have guests on the show is that we as contemporary people hugely underestimate the power the hum- that begins humbly of just beginning to use your shaman time, your journey time, your, your meditation time to connect with the spirits of nature where you are. Um, to connect yeah. with the spirits of the environment and to not have um, 
Well, and to bring that practicality, I guess, into your shamanic practice and begin to um, move with the energy and the rhythms of nature around you um, mm. instead of just looking at the weather report on the TV show or your iPhone or wherever. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm with you all the way. You know, I'm always reminded, see, in Oregon, we laugh at weather people. We scoff at them because they're never more than 50% right. I mean, I, there are other parts of the oh, world where Oh, we scoff at right. them over here because oh, the, if they're 50% right, that's a good day. Exactly. <laughs> and in the, town, in the town I grew up in, there was a hill that you could see from most anywhere in the town and that had wild goats on it. And the goats mm. would move up and down the hill with the weather. And so you mm. always knew precisely what the weather would be by looking at the goats, and you just ignored the weather people. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sounds right. That's great. Okay, so we yep. have number one, keep your feet on the ground and keep your sense of humor. Know where your food comes from and, and engage in that. Tune into mm-hmm. nature cycles. Number four was there's no free lunch and no easy money, no easy credit, yep. that this is an illusion. So why don't you say a little bit more about that? Well, uh, uh, planet Earth is, a, is an exchange system. Everything on planet Earth is exchanged. Uh, we, we get a body for the duration. At the end, we have to give it back. Everything here we're given uh, for our life and everything we have to give back. Uh, and all, all, everything works on exchange. So when uh, think people think they're clever and they've got PhDs in economics, and they think they can print money and make money out of thin air. Uh, you know somebody's gone in, in, into, in, into the, the dream world in the wrong sense of that, into the world of fantasy. So uh, we're living in times of fantasy economics and um, pon- Ponzi-type system. And so we know something's going to go wrong because it has to. You know, you can't defy nature. Is that is that a reasonable answer? Uh huh. Yeah, sure. And then the fifth thing that you said in your article was that we are spirits living temporarily in bodies, um, yes, with temporary identities. So see the big picture with eagle's eyes, and and then like bear and squirrel, be prepared. <laughs> Which I thought was right. really beautiful. So um, just to quote you, I'm going to sum up something I really liked from this article, which was um, seek for knowledge at all times. Keep your sense of humor at the absurdity of its all. And remember, the greatest resources of all are the priceless ones of friendship, cooperation, beauty, love, and truth. Yes. Those, my friends, are the words of Leo Rutherford. And Leo, I can't believe it, but our time is done. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you, Christina. It's been a, been a delight. Thank you very much. Best so for those of you that want to look into Leo's work, especially maybe with the medicine wheels, he, you can find his work at shamanism.co.uk. I give thanks to the ancestors for being with us here today, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. May we all go forward for, uh, with foreknowledge and open to the resources that our relationship with spirit provides us. Um, thank you all for listening here today. Next week, our show is going to be about the feast in loneliness. 
and I hope you all will join me. It is not going to be a depressing show, but I see it happening around as the seasons are changing, and it's time to see the feast within it that we might uh, welcome it more fully. So again, Leo, thank you very much. And thank all of you for listening to Why Shamanism Now. And don't forget the show has a site for past shows, whyshamanismnow.com. Thank you all.